You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have an exciting show planned for you. Our guest is Stuart Gandalf. He is the CEO of Healthcare Success. Stuart, welcome to the program. Hey, Rick. Great to uh, be on the show and good to talk to you again. So you've been in business for 16 years. I've known you for a lot of that time. I wonder if you could take us back to what was your original motivation to start this business? So, Rick, it's hard to believe, but back in 2006, it was a very different world digitally. And um, what had happened was I'm an entrepreneur and I tell I often joke with people that I haven't had a real sort of job with a boss since 1988 when I worked at J. Walter Thompson. So even when I had a boss and I had a job, I was still very sort of entrepreneurial and independent. It's just my mindset. So it's, it's good and bad, right? But in any event, so I had worked with a, a I had worked with big agencies. I did a couple sort of entrepreneurial things with commercial real estate, with estate tax mitigation. But at one point I stumbled into this uh, agency which worked with doctors and I thought, I don't wanna do this, but okay, I'll do it for a few months. And I ended up doing it for about 10 years. So I was flying around the country speaking. Um, I, it turned out I had never spoken publicly in my life before. And um, it turned and then I had to just certainly lead workshops for three days with a bunch of doctors. I'd never done anything like that before. And I was good at it, I guess, because I knew, really knew marketing and my sensibility worked with them. So anyway, to cut this long story short, so I did that for a, a long time. And I had this idea after I left that and I was doing some other stuff, I thought, I wonder if I could just create an agency with nothing but a website. Now, I know like people do that today, but it was really, I, I hadn't heard of anybody doing that before, where I don't want to go get investors. I don't want to do all the other stuff. I just feel like I've got a reputation. And I had a business partner at the time and I thought it'd be really fun to have a virtual company with, you know, people who work for me, but no building and just do it with a, a website. That's it. And it was an experiment, Rick. <laughs> it really was. So we decided to get good at search engine optimization. And uh, I got really, really good at that really fast. And we got really good at paid search and some of the things that we do for services to this day. And uh, that's how we built our agency, that and speaking and writing. So we, mm -hmm. I didn't realize another fun fact was I didn't realize how much of reputation I personally built. I had never tried to build my own personal reputation doing that um, other thing for about 10 years, but people knew of me. So we went to medical economics and uh, we created some audio CDs for sale for them and distributed, I don't know, hundred thousand dollars worth of audio CDs, which helped get his business. And then we went to dental economics and I got a column. So through all these things, uh, you know, website, search engine optimization, um, thought leadership. And today, this is pretty, you know, common. People teach this, but I feel like that was pretty new back then. Like, mm -hmm. you know, their blog wasn't a common term when we first started. I mean, people were, it was out there, but it wasn't people were like thinking about that. And like, you know, information marketing. They, I wasn't the only person doing that, but it was still pretty early. And, um, you know, to me, it was just fun. It was a fun experiment. And so I, that's where we started. And ironically, um, you know, we were virtual for the first few years. I ended up buying out my partner. And then um, uh, we got office space and I loved our office space. And then COVID hit. And so we're back to virtual again. Except it's a lot more complicated and a lot bigger these days. 
So that's a long answer, but that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you're right. We're talking about 16 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, not just six months ago. So the things that we take that are common and today were not common. It's amazing how much we have changed and you were on the leading edge. But I'm wondering, when did you truly believe the business was going to survive and then thrive? How long did it take, Stuart, after you launched the firm? Yeah, it's funny. We talked about that a little bit before. The I feel like um, when I, buying the company was a point where when I bought the company for my partner, my former partner is a, still a friend of mine. Um, and I, but at the very beginning phases, we're sort of up and down. 2008, if you remember 2006 was when we started, 2008 was two years later. It was mm -hmm. interesting because with 2008, you know, this grand experiment looked kind of shaky at the first because everything just froze, right? Because everybody was panicking. And then all of a sudden we got really busy. And I think that was about the beginning. And then a year or two later, when I bought the company after my partner, that's when things started to really go. One of the things that, you know, again, with the entrepreneurial mindset, I have to tell you something funny, right? That you may, your listeners may enjoy. Um, so, somebody else I used to work with was also wanting to sort of create an agency. And so she had, and she's a smart gal, but she had all the files made up. She had office space built. She had, you know, all the organization done, all the, you know, her computer was all organized. Then she got it all done. She's like, wait, I need to pick clients. And like, I'm the opposite. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care any of that stuff until I have clients. I'll worry about that later. So again, it's good and bad. And so what I found is in the early days, it took a while until we probably got into office space and we had a team physical there and we had people that had um, skills that like I can do a lot of things. I just don't have the interest for it. And uh, again, I, most entrepreneurs are like that, right? They have, they can mm -hmm. do lots of stuff. They're just used to jumping in and figuring stuff out. But that was part of our culture for a long time, Rick. So that, and it's funny, I remarked today, some of the people who survived and did thrive in those early years did so because they were resourceful. It's like, we didn't train you how to do it. Just go do that. And the ones that figured it out did. And, uh, and that was great. But then that's really hard to scale, right? That's the early bumpy years. And it's like no systems, systems, systems. We don't need those. <laughs> So finally, when we started getting some adults to handle those functions, I think is when it started working out. So probably about four years in, it was a continuum. It wasn't a one day thing. And again, it wasn't hard for us to get clients. Like we had, um, you know, I went to, um, you know, like some SEO training from like the sort of head guru in the country. So we showed up for terms like healthcare marketing almost from day one. Hmm. So we had phone calls like every day. So getting a business wasn't the issue. It was growing up into a viable concern and figuring out the business model. I should say one other thing on that note though, I think is relevant. Um, somewhere in there as well, we moved from a project-based model to a ongoing re uh, recurring revenue model. And that was a huge, huge step. And our former company was all projects. You know, you, somebody would come to us, they would learn from us, they'd buy a you know website, a brochure, or this and that. But then it, my um, metaphor internally was, I feel like a shark that has to keep swimming to survive. Like you can right. never Right. And so by going to a recurring revenue model, I think that's probably the defining moment because that changed everything. That was a big deal. So Stuart, you, it took about four years and then you got the business model, right? You got the people, right? You got systems, right? I'm wondering though, over the other 12 years, you know, over the total 16 years you've been in business, was there a time when you felt that your firm may be at risk? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't, there's certainly been sometimes more challenging than others, though probably the most challenging time we had 
was during COVID. And so what happened there was uh, just before COVID, um, you know, I felt like, okay, we're ready to go to the next level. You know, our revenues were great. And the PE guys called us like, you know, at one point more than once a week, but, you know, on average the last three or four years, like at least every other week, different firms are reaching out to us. And I felt like, okay, we're not ready to sell or anything, but I would like to have, you know, the company be less focused on me, which is a, another element that entrepreneurs need to go through. So we hired three senior executives in December of 2019, uh, December and January, uh, having no idea what was coming. So that was really challenging because uh, one of them didn't even start until like after COVID had started. It's funny because we went virtual. Um, I had a friend of mine as a scientist and he sent me an article um, about what this was really going to be, you know, about, and so we sort of evacuated a week before everybody else did. Like right mm -hmm. when the NBA was closing down, we were closed down. And, you know, my kids thought I was nuts. My employee, my, you know, everybody thought I was nuts. Two weeks later, I was like, wow, you're so smart. <laughs> but at any rate, the, um, that was really tough because the, one of the two, three people started because she actually got COVID. So if we had not gone virtual, we would have all got it. Um, but the, like in the earliest days of March, but the, um, uh, that was tough because culturally it was very difficult because we went virtual and I barely knew these people. And so it was very difficult to get a consensus of, um, you know, where we're going, we had different visions and it was just exacerbated by having such important hires. I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse just before COVID. So that team, you know, just, it, it was never a team. We really wanted to work together as a team. So that eventually worked itself out. And, um, you know, those folks found other things to do, which are great <laughs> for them and, you know, uh, better for the company. So that was a challenging, challenging time. So COVID, we had a double whammy of, and again, it's, I don't have any ill will. It just was a misalignment, right? And I think that had we all been together, I think, you know, that could have worked out very differently. But being virtual and having, you know, brand new executives was tough, man. That was really hard. So that was, um, you know, we dug out of it. And then also our revenue went down as well. So I was never fearful of losing the company, but I would kind of tell you I was exhausted. <laughs> I mean, that was not an easy time. No, it's, it was challenging for most people, but then you layered on, the strategic issues that you had with your executive team. I mean, who would have thought, how, right? That right? should have been a company changing event going better. And it's just, right. it was really, really difficult. And, um, but we're happy mm -hmm. to pass that. That's for sure. So we really haven't talked about healthcare success. So let, I think you've teased a bit about what you do, but could you maybe spend a couple of minutes and help us to understand the firm that you've built, who you service, what's the solutions, what's problems do you solve? How do you help yeah. your clients? Sure, absolutely. So it's funny, coincidentally, right? We launched a new website like a couple of days ago at healthcaresuccess.com. So if anybody's really interested, then go take a look. Uh, the reason I bring that up is not to plug it, but to better explain like what we do. So, you know, years ago, as I mentioned, we started working with providers, mostly um, doctors and physician groups. And today we still have uh, doctors and physician groups, but they're typically much, much larger. So you know, we have 20 location groups or 50 location groups. I mentioned that to you offline. We have a one with about a 300 location provider in the home health space. So we work with provider groups, but larger ones, often PE backed, private equity backed, uh, sometimes a doctor owned. Uh, addiction, skilled nursing are another groups. But we also work with hospitals. And then 
um, you know, device pharma, health plans, and right now disruptors. There are disruptors all over the place. Um, some are retail brands that people know that are getting into healthcare. Others are brand new VC based. So it's a really exciting time to um, be in our business because our the stuff we've been doing for years is it's kind of like the market met us. So while we were pioneering, working around with the providers, you know, the marketplace changed. And today it's actually for healthcare, a really exciting time. It's, it's really been a very sort of stodgy, you know, very slow moving <laughs> field. But the disruptors are coming in, like just, you know, throwing everything out and starting over. And it's, it's changing things very quickly. So that's what we do. And that's who we serve. And then what we do, we really are a truly integrated agency. So our marketing agency works with, um, you know, we provide, um, I always say there's six different areas of, uh, of marketing and we do most of those. So when we talk about it in the healthcare, certainly digital marketing, branding, and traditional advertising are the things we do the most. Uh, but we also get involved with things like patient experience, doctor referral building, and PR. So those are the the categories. And but our, I would say that we are a digitally gi- digital first, truly integrated agency. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to hear you talk about disruptors. And I wish we had more time on today's show because I would love to uh, explore how the industry is being disrupted. But I know in some ways you're also a disruptor because you developed a podcast and focused on the healthcare industry. I'm wondering, from that experience of being a podcaster, what did you learn about hosting the, from hosting those shows and doing the interviews that you did? That's funny you brought that up. It's, uh, I was just talking to our editor yesterday about the podcast. So we have a blog with, um, depending on who you count as active subscriber, somewhere between 5,000 and 20,000 subscribers. And wow. The uh, it's been around for a long time, and again, because of our SEO, it's you know, we built that. The um, the podcast we do on kind of about a once a month basis, it's not as formal. I could be doing it like you do, like on a much more regular basis, and probably should, but I have a lot of things to do, right, to run the business. So, we do it about once a month, and it's really through the same form as our blog. It's very simple the way we do it, but we, I really have enjoyed doing them because it gives me the, first of all, I meet really interesting people from it. And it's, um, I don't know, usually I rarely get direct business between the people that I'm interviewing. It happens, but it's rare. But, you know, if you say you're a thought leader, you actually have to be a thought leader. (laughs) So, and, you know, what I found is people always say like, why still, why do you always approach these things so humble? You're kind of an expert at this. Like, well, I'm an expert at this because I listen to other people, right? It's like, I didn't sit in a room and just think deep thoughts. I talk to people. And I think that's really important. So the podcast allows me to meet new people that are smart. And I'm really picky on who I go and interview. The Because, I, again, I don't do it very often. So, like, one of our friends out of this group is, um, you know, like the chief patient experience officer for the Cleveland Clinic or one of the leading researchers in uh, healthcare or... Uh, another guy who owns a, who does a podcast, it's really a prominent podcast in healthcare. So, um, I thought, you know, we do these things. It's great. We usually do it maybe a little longer than most people about 35 ish minutes and it's very interactive. And when we do it also, I throw in my own two cents. So it's Mm -hmm. been a terrific experience. And so if your audience is interested in podcasting, I would say it's great to way of, you know, learning number one, because I learn a lot from them. 
Two, it's definitely part of the thought leadership. And then the SEO part of it's nice too, but I think it's really just the relationship you build. Like you and I, we build a relationship by being on your show and you've been on mine. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very positive thing and it's not that hard. There's ways of doing it. So, so Stuart, earlier you talked about um, working with disruptors in your space. And I'm also curious, what has been the impact of COVID on your clients who are in the healthcare industry. I'm, I'm curious to see if COVID and disruptors, if the, the combination of all these external forces are really having an impact on the healthcare industry. So funny enough, last week I interviewed, it hasn't appeared yet, I don't think, um, the uh, director of communications for Providence Health in Oregon. And uh, it was about this very issue. And the the ironic thing is we talked about the public assumed people in healthcare are making, getting rich off of the <laughs> Everybody's sick. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's everybody's getting rich. It's all made up and, you know, it's a little naive. So the health systems are getting hammered by COVID because, first of all, it's causing labor shortages. So they have to go and get and hire people at overtime. Um, secondly, people are quitting in droves because they're burnt out and they can't take it anymore. Thirdly, um, they have to, people are afraid to come, you know, for, they, well, they had to stop all sort of, you know, quotes, elective care. Like, for example, a colonoscopy is theoretically elective, but it's not really elective, right? People can put it off. There was already, they already wanted to put off the colonoscopy. Now they have the perfect excuse. So <laughs> what that means then is the, the services that are the bread and butter of healthcare are, um, are not happening. So at the hospital level, if you look at the financials of leading hospitals and health systems, most of them are getting hammered. It's really a very difficult time for them, contrary to popular belief. And uh, other, and it's interesting. It really is provider by provider. You know, like um, one of the things that's interesting to me is in the world of addiction, for example, addiction, residential addiction treatment. Some of them got hammered. Others went on. And, you know, you think about, OK, you're going to be with people for 30 days, you know, in a very close environment. That's a very sort of high risk feeling environment. But some of them did pretty well during the period. So it really varies across the board. But I would like to dispel the rumor that you know, broadly speaking, it was very difficult. And one of the things, one last comment on this, Rick, is uh, that we write about and talk about a lot is, you know, that we may be done with COVID, but it's not done with us. And so what's happening is I've never had, in the last six weeks, I've never known more people with COVID than I have in the last six weeks. So, you know, it's like people are over it, business is moving on, business has changed. Um, so I could talk more about that, but that would answer your question. That's kind of where we are is that it's been very difficult for a lot of providers for sure. Yes. And th thank you for that. Cause I think the common belief might be the opposite that it's been a, a very booming time for healthcare. So thank you for giving an insider's perspective. Uh, we have a few minutes left here on the program, but I wanted to ask you, where do you go to gain access to other entrepreneurs who might have insights and experiences that are helping you to stay ahead of your competition and to grow your business. So there's a couple ways I do that. Uh, one, I read a lot. Um, you know, like for example, yesterday, um, you know, the internet stuff, we have to really know cold. And so I have hired, you know, sort of Uber experts at all those positions. So I talk about, um, well, actually there's two different comments here. So we were sharing an internal document for a conference coming up. Um, and this one happens to be SMX. And so we were, I share this with my thought leadership team and I watch them when I can, but we all, each of these thought leaders that I follow, 
um, you know, for example, Kurt Rosen read optimization, the guy who's that's all he does. And I'm recommending my team listen to what he's saying. And so I've, you know, I've heard his podcasts, I've read his stuff. And, you know, typically it's always just finding morsels of new stuff or just getting the context of what's going on. So, you know, like there's always, in fact, I had this discussion the other day of, you know, like what's going on today in the world of conversion and optimization. I haven't looked at it closely for a while. So I think that's important is to read a lot and listen and consume other media. Um, part of it is the people we've hired. I mean, again, like, and I always tell people like in our world, healthcare marketing is just like medicine has specialists. Mm-hmm. So those key positions like search and optimization or paid social or paid search or branding, you know, it's taken forever, Rick, but we have have people who are absolutely expert at each of their roles. And so I learned from them. And then on top of that, you know, I mentioned the podcast earlier. And then there's also, uh, I, I'm not currently engaged in one, but, you know, there are groups like um, Vistage, formerly Tech. Um, there's different executive groups. I would say that the other thing I learned from is I do have friends that are experts in you know, related industries that I talk to. So for example, um, last week I recalled uh, one of my friends from that's heavily involved with ACG here, uh, mm-hmm. Association for Corporate Growth, uh, about an internal issue I was facing. And, you know, I just recognize that they do, a lot of the services they do are sort of related to what we do. And they gave me great insights. And because of that relationship, he referred me to their one of their partners who's corporate counsel who had a unique insight on this particular topic. And that's fantastic. You know, it's like, it's really nice to have that kind of a network after years of doing this. And I'm selective with people's time. I don't like to waste their time, but I'm not embarrassed to ask. And it's funny because this particular conversation was like, you know, I was looking for their insights on some internal issue we have. And it's like, I don't usually share dirty, dirty laundry with people, but it's like, I would need to get an insight from a third party. And it's like, oh, solution. Great. Next. So it's, I would say it's a combination, but reading and networking and, but networking, like when I say networking, I don't mean going to a, while I can do this. And I did this earlier in my career, you know, showing up at a party and talking to everybody is not what I mean. I mean, we only have so much time to be selective. It's like meeting you, you know, it's like, right. I'd love to talk to everybody. I just can't, <laughs> you know? So let's look at tomorrow. What, what, where does what's the vision that you have for the future of your firm? So it's a great question, and I mentioned the website before. Again, not from a plug point of view, but I'm really excited about it because it took us forever <laughs> to get it done. Um, I was trying to get that thing launched for the last four years because our web's previous website did not really reflect who we were anymore. We'd outgrown it, and so that's really really important to have. You know, your website's your front door. So the so the, the you know, as we go forward, we're definitely going um, with larger clients and, you know, really continuing to be the thought leader and really focusing on where we can be successful. And, you know, a lot of things that I've learned over the years, for example, different models, different business models we've experimented with. Because, again, one thing, that, um, because we're so heavily SEO'd, lots of people call us. And we found that if we just take everybody, that's not, it's very difficult to scale that, right? So, while we like to help everybody, we're being a little more selective because we want to find um, matches where it really fits us, where it's right in our sweet spot and focus our energies there. So I would say that it's just really focusing on the right clients, uh, where we can scale, where we can add true value. Literally just before I jump on this call, we're meeting with uh, internally about one of our new clients who's a big disruptor. I mean, they're going to change healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's where it's fun for us. That's where, 
the value is perceived on their end and ours. It, it takes advantage of the skills of our team. You know, it's like, so we could theoretically, um, you know, help an individual, you know, I don't know, solo doctor somewhere. We can, we're really good, but it's hard to make the economics work and it's hard to make it work long-term. Whereas most of our businesses, these sort of more integrated, um, more complex clients where they really see the value of what our team brings to the table. Well, and your website is again, what? Healthcaresuccess.com. <laughs> Pretty easy to remember. Right. So, yes. Yeah. So then if people want to reach me, they can uh, either through LinkedIn or through um, uh, LinkedIn primarily, probably the best way or through our website. You can also just send me an email. Uh, it may take a day or two for my assistant to get to it, but using this email address is the one that we use for our blog. Is Stuart at Healthcare Success, S-T-E-W-A-R-T at Healthcare Success. And if you'd like to subscribe to our blog slash podcast or reach out for whatever reason, I'm happy to take your response. It's great to have you on the show. I want to thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed catching up with you again, my friend. Yeah, good talking to you, Rick. Take care. Thank you. So you've been listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show. This is episode number 1,373 in our catalog. And I'd like to thank you for spending time with us. Until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.